This week on Of Mex and Men, Graf gives up the grift, Comstar is committed to the cash, and when Grayson is caught between a rock and a hard place, he will need to roll out the red carpet for Duke Recall. That's right, Kanan. Finally, the time has come for me to make my entrance. When young Carlisle's back is against the wall, I teach him a valuable lesson. Always bet on red. <laughs> Hello. This is Of Mex and Men. A Battletech Book Club. I am Kanan Hill, and I am joined, as always, by my two good friends, Brent. Was that Duke Recall? And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. How we doing, boys? I'm doing great, considering Tren agreed to do that awesome intro for us. Thanks again, yes. Tren. Yes. Thank you, Tren. Tren Sparks donned the red suit for us once again <laughs> and brought Duke Recall to life so we could have him here on Oh Ma'am. We appreciate it a ton. But this week, with that great start, we're running through chapters 19 through 24 of the book we've been working through. The Price of Glory by William H. Keith Jr. Let's go hunting. Chapter 19. We open with a scene of this mobile headquarters. It's in the dark of night, right? It's this large vehicle, the mobile headquarters. It's sitting on the side of the road about 10 kilometers south of Helmdown. It's just rumbling along because it says here the fusion engine has been replaced with a combustion engine, just a normal engine. And so it says out here, this rumbling along out here on the side of the road. We see a man come out the back door in like a little, a tattered military jacket. He steps out and shuts the door behind him. And we see that there's also two mechs here, sentries, a thunderbolt and an archer. We see Grayson is in the bush. He's laying on his stomach. They're in stealth mode. He's got black paint all over his face in the dark. Lori is here too. She leans over and mouths to him. We have two mechs, six sentries and no patrols. All right. And now we see that they've set up an ambush. They're going to raid this HQ. This is the special mission that Grayson mentioned when he was gathering volunteers. We get this whole little paragraph just about mobile headquarters. They're cool. It's like a trailer. It's got a bunch of stuff in it. They're great for conducting large-scale operations. It even says some commanders like to command from the cockpit of their mech, but some guys, they use the mobile HQ. It depends on how big your operation is. Really? And I'm like, oh, cool. Mobile HQs. Mobile HQs. I'm not even going to bother to really get into it because they do such a phenomenal job of really laying out the whole deal. They control communications and navigation and all that stuff. Everything a commander would want to do, command things. It's a mobile HQ. It's all in one. (laughs) They kill it. That is all. Yeah. We learned that they're here because the... Legion scouts had spotted 
this mobile HQ heading out of Helmdown, and they're hoping that they can destroy it and maybe capture Langsdorf in the process if they can. Because remember, after Grayson's speech about needing volunteers for the special mission, everybody wanted to come, right? And he tried to keep the mech warriors from participating. <laughs> He's he like, tried. you guys are too valuable. Yeah, but McCall and Lori <laughs> weren't having it. It says that specifically they were like, no. The text said something of a mutiny and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> they argued for like an hour, but Grayson had no hope of winning. And so now we're here with the warriors of A Company and about 30 of Ramage's guys. So Grayson and Lori and the commandos, they're crouching. They're laying down in the bush. We hear sounds shouting and singing the thunderbolt swivels around and turns on its spotlight and three men they've come stumbling up arm in arm all holding half empty alcohol bottles and the sentry is like halt halt where you are we get a look at them it's burns delmar clay and davis mccall because of course it is. Yeah, they're stumbling <laughs> up like a trio of drunkards. It says that they're the very image of Aztecs who had gone out to share a bottle and wandered back to camp, roaring drunk and barely able to stand. And I love that in this plan, the one they decided to let speak to announce their intention of acting drunk is McCall. And he does a perfect job at it. So, yeah, wonderful <laughs> McCall lines as usual. As usual. I also like, there's some environmental storytelling here, which is, of course, described in the text. Uh, the Thunderbolt's brutal scars still marring its right arm. So we see that, like, they're still in the field, right? Hence the mobile field HQ. They haven't really gotten a lot of repairs done. These things are still, like, running. Yeah, as much as the Great Death Legion has been scrambling to get away, it seems like the Merrick forces have been scrambling to keep up and track them down so the back door opens and sentries step out onto the ramp because they've come out to see what the commotion is all about these guys have come stumbling up and then as soon as the dudes step out grayson and the others they all leap up and like sprint forward with their weapons raised they're ready to go and immediately the Sentries are like, what? But Grayson and Lori, they just spray the dudes. They go down. They kill them. The Thunderbolt starts swinging around. We learn why they have to act so swiftly in a few paragraphs from now, which is if that door goes back shut after they've initiated this attack, it's over. They need, and I think it says, heavy cutting tools or a mech's laser to get this can back open. So the window is only for some moments, so they've got to act fast. Exactly. So they jump up and start shooting. The thunderbolt starts to swivel. It starts to turn around to see what's going on. But immediately, a missile streaks out from the tree line, and it's so sick, it explodes 10 meters short of the mech, and it washes the thunderbolt in liquid flames. It's inferno rounds. It's such a cool image. You can just hear the... I didn't realize it's like they shoot the missile, but it doesn't hit. It explodes short of it, and it sprays like the burning fuel all over the Thunderbolt. It's so cool, and it's like it was so dark 
until now, it's like this roaring inferno. It says that the three guys, Burns, Clay, and McCall, as soon as they hear the missile streak overhead, they all drop the bottles and start running. And (laughs) a second missile hits the archer as well. So clearly the anti-mech squad shot their inferno rounds. Now the two mechs are like covered in the inferno juice. It's awesome. (laughs) This is so well executed. It is. It's also one of those scenes that we get to sit here and think about how cinematic this is and how great it would look in a movie or show representation of them all running through the dark and then the scene lights up and you're watching everybody through the flames. It'd be great. And I want to hit this a little bit more later, but I was pondering this. I was thinking like if there was like a Battletech movie or better yet, a Battletech premiere TV show series, I think the price of glory is exactly where you start. You can have flashbacks of the things that you need for context for Grayson. This is the most movie book of all of the series, hands down. Yeah, definitely the most cinematic out of the trilogy so far. Yeah. If I was going to make one of these a movie, I would make this one. Yes. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of books in the future that we're going to say, this is the one we'd make into the movie. So That's true. Grayson and the others are racing toward the closing ramp. And luckily, the door gets jammed on one of the bodies. And Grayson manages to jump through the gap. He gets inside. There's some guys in here. There's some techs at their consoles. There's a sergeant. There's a bunch of comms equipment. It's a mobile HQ. There's a bunch of stuff on the walls, headphones, knobs, and whatnot. Grayson sees an officer running for the door to the Ford chamber because it's like the truck is like segmented. And so Grayson shoots the sergeant and he just bolts past the text. He just runs by him like, oh, sorry. And the officer is closing the door hatch. So he got through one door. Then there's like another door. Like back to back, we get scenes where like he barely makes. This is so crazy. The dude's closing the door hatch. It says Grayson throws his rifle he hurls it spinning end (laughs) over end and it lands in the door frame and causes the door to stop from closing isn't that crazy you know what for grayson i'm gonna actually say it's not yes it's so funny (laughs) yeah he didn't rush and tackle anyone so far he he did what he needed to do he sees the door and he's like ah and he just throws (laughs) it like spins and lands in the door That's pretty good. I do want to add while we're in here that the inside of this, I've always pictured every time I've ever read this, for anyone who's ever seen The Lost World, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. I always think of the like camping trailer, which is also segmented (laughs) and it's like camouflage. That's how I've always pictured this thing. (laughs) Only maybe not with the big old like windows, but yeah, (laughs) the old artwork even shows like it kind of looks like that where it's got the like kind of accordion segmented center. The new art though, for the Kickstarter, way better. They have the baby T-Rex, right? Yes, exactly. And then it gets pushed over the cliff, the glass breaks. Yep. I like that movie. (laughs) I do too. Welcome to the Lost World Podcast. <laughs> Use the code to plug in the <laughs> holes. Cheetah speed, 60, 70 no. miles per hour. No, 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 no. We are, uh, we're going to go ahead and end the Lost World quotes that we're going to do. I don't have 30 minutes to designate to them. <laughs> Grayson and Allard King work together. They push the door open. 
And then Lori fires into the room past them, right? Because she's standing right behind him. They push the door open. She sprays into the room. Bear, Charles Bear, the big man, he muscles his way in. So now they're in a small room. There's a little conference table over to the side. There's all these computer displays, these like big monitors. And they're displaying maps of the surrounding area. And who do we know that loves maps? Yeah, exactly. So they killed the one guy who ran in here, but there's another guy. They see that there's a man cowering against the wall. We get a good look at him. It's Graf. He's here. He's back. How funny is this? For those not tracking, that's the assassin pilot. Yes. He's not from the mines. He's from the Fifth Merit Guards. That's what he said. Exactly. And so now we got Graf. And he's like, no, don't kill me. I'm valuable. And Bear, like, (laughs) one hand picks him up, and Grayson's like, get him out of here. And so he carries him back. It's exactly what you want. Yep. He carries him back to the other trailer. Allard King and Khaled are out here, along with Janice Taylor. She's here, too. And Lieutenant Devilar comes in with his guys and starts planting the charges everywhere. And remember, there was those two techs that Grayson didn't shoot. He tells them to run. He says... Something like, keep running and don't stop, and uh, we won't shoot you, or whatever. And they go running out the back door. You text, Grayson said, out. If you stop running any time in the next five minutes, you're dead. Yeah. He lets them live. He just makes them run away. We can still hear, by the way, it's been like seconds. This thing just started. There's still gunfire going on outside. And those inferno rounds won't last forever. They don't even last that long. Time is very short. And they're only really distracting and obscuring the mech pilot's vision. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be crippling the mechs with it. Right. Literally seconds matter. It is about doing this in as few seconds as possible. But everyone leaves except for the bomb guys. They're just finishing up, like planting the charges. But Grayson runs back to those map displays because he's like, wait, I want to make a copy of those maps. And he starts like Hacker Man, like rapidly typing (laughs) on the keyboards and the dude's yelling at him, Colonel, she's ready to blow. And he's like, hold on. And you see him frantically like, and he's typing on the computers and he hits enter and the screens go, and a little memory chip pops up. Ching. And he yeah. grabs it and starts like running. And we cut back outside. The archer and the thunderbolt are firing into the trees. There's like small arms fire, you know, yeah. in the tree line because the infantry, they're doing their job. They're trying to keep the mech's attention so that... The main effort here can do the tasks they need to do. Unfortunately, the Thunderbolt notices the two men running out of the van because Grayson and Devilar were the last two guys left. And it turns, it starts firing machine guns kind of in their direction. Grayson hits the dirt, right? He goes prone. This chapter ends with the Thunderbolt just like lumbering up and pointing its guns directly at Grayson, who's just laying on the ground. It's a cliffhanger. What a great action scene in this chapter. Yeah. As we talked about earlier, it's just incredibly cinematic. Quick in and out action scene. Everything we need to know delivered to us very swiftly. Like all this stuff happens in paragraph to paragraph. And there's an economy of the scene, right? I love that Keith is able to get on the military fiction side of this. He's able to get all of the like... Here's how this would work. Lori has the infantry send out screens and like recce the area and they all report back like this is the troop size. This is where they're at. They're patrolling here. 
or they're not patrolling here. And then they move in on the attack. You understand the plan kind of on the go. And so this whole scene is so tight, but it's tight without missing out on the gears that kind of like add to the like military drama side of this. No, and I also like how Keith takes some time and gives us some important information throughout it. Like in this scene when they're setting up the explosives, he talks about Devalier and how he was formerly a mining oh, yeah. engineer. Yeah. And Grayson's like, So you know something about explosives? And he's like, Absolutely, Colonel. And he's like, Now's your time to prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, that little bit of dialogue has some important information that we're going to talk about later in this episode. Absolutely. That comes back up. So Keith found a way to work it in early. Oh, yeah. So when we get back to it, this is tight. it all makes it's sense. A, this yeah. is a tight scene. Pretty it's good. great all around. I forget about this scene because I remember early on in Decision at Thunder Rift, we were kind of talking about how we don't get in the future, at least with the main like backbone of the fiction, we don't get as much of the we're on the ground perspective with the big kaiju monster stompy business that Decision at Thunder Rift gives us. But And obviously I forgot about it when we said that because this to me kind of has the same feeling where you have these two kind of like boss mobs, if you will. You've got these two like kind of like roving mechs in the camp and you can almost see it and in fact to bring up the lost world again it's almost like the two t-rex in the <laughs> what's happening here <laughs> okay, so... Brit, did you recently just watch the lost world is this no, what's going on I've, I've watched it a lot though <laughs> i wore out those vhs tapes as a kid i'm sorry listeners but yeah no i love that we get we get this infantry action i would actually argue it's literally a special operation right like he's sending kind of his a team here to like hit the objective get in get out um and this is an all or nothing thing right this is a classic grace and double or nothing right Mm -hmm. his back's up against the wall he's like we have no other option, and he does exactly what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Bravo, Grayson. Bravo. And it always seems to be that whenever Grayson is in this reeling from a loss, he decides to go on the aggressive, yep. and his opposition doesn't really expect him to do so, nor maybe they shouldn't, because he's down and out in so many different ways. But everybody always gives him that little bit of a window. I think we could all learn something from Grayson. As I've said before, every time Grayson backs up against the wall, he takes action. Yep. I think that's something we could all learn. I know I could. (laughs) Now, do not forget that the chapter ended with the Thunderbolt about to kill Grayson, right? Right Mm -hmm. in the middle of the scene. So it's not over yet. Like, we're still in the middle of the battle. Of course. And we're going to have to find out how that battle wraps up in the next chapter. Chapter 20. The last chapter ended with the Thunderbolt about to kill Grayson. This chapter begins with the Mobile HQ exploding. The charges go off. It sets off the fuel as well. And flames are roaring into the sky. And the Thunderbolt is knocked off balance. It gets hurled over. It slams into the ground. Luckily, it doesn't crush Grayson and Devilar. They manage to slip into the woods. By the time the Thunderbolt pilot can get back on its feet, they're already gone. They made it. Mission success. Yeah, it is so funny that 
you're like, oh, uh, I bet we stopped right in the middle of the battle. But actually, we did. We stopped at the very end of the battle. We just had to, the charges went off. Of course, the thing explodes and they get away. So now they're back at camp. They have Graf in this, it says they're in a bubble tent, and all the main characters are here with him, the whole gang. And we have Graf, right? We, we get this whole scene. This is like the Graf interrogation. Graf is bargaining for his life. He's such a weasel. He's like, the Duke of Arian is almost here. He'll hunt you down and crush you unless you want to make a deal. And Grayson's like, what? He keeps like going wildly back and forth. He's so pathetic. He inflates his value to the point where even Grayson kind of reads the room with this guy. It seems he needs to prove his value. So we'll use that against him. Exactly. Grayson says that. He tells him he's like, Raph, honestly, I don't think you're any use to us, right? You're with the guards or whatever. He flicks his little collar tabs. You're just a captain or whatever. You know, we were hoping we could catch the colonel. Who cares about you anyway? And Graf tells him, though, I know more than you think. I know more than Langsdorf. Langsdorf doesn't know anything. And they're like, oh, and you do? You know more than Langsdorf? <laughs> I love how Grayson, like, as soon as he does it, he gets real histrionic with it like turning back to everybody well 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 looks like we got somebody real important here yeah (laughs) it's like grace is doing such a good job of like (laughs) playing down the weaselly nature of graph here it's so funny to me grayson nails this he's like Mm. we got the mastermind of the whole operation people well who would have (laughs) thought and then graph's like laugh all you want tomorrow you'll be laughing at duke irian's battle mechs Grayson, we get this bit, he even thinks to himself, Graf is a mass of contradictions, boastful yet secretive, unwilling to help yet desperate to prove his value, a driving need to appear important, which I thought that was funny. He reads him. He, like a book. Yeah, there's this paragraph where like Grayson gets a read on him and you're like, oh yeah, that checks out. While the rest of the Grey Death Legion stands behind him going, we should just kill him. Let's just get yeah. rid of him. I don't like him. I don't want them around anymore. Exactly. The whole time, they're all here. All the mech warriors. It's a real good cop, bad company situation going on. (laughs) They didn't get Langsdorf. And it's a shame because we do learn that at the beginning of the last chapter, at the very beginning, get the scene of the mobile headquarters. We see that a dude in like a jacket steps out and leaves. And we learned that that was Langsdorf. So we just barely missed him. But we did get Graf. Graf claims he's useful, but they have their doubts. They're all like, come on, Graf, you don't know anything. You're nothing. What is it? McCall's like, oh, shall we take it the wee beastie out for a little one-way walk or whatever he says. It's very funny. <laughs> he's like, just leave me in the room with him just a little bit. Yeah. I'll get him. All. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so basically, they're all debating about what to do with him, right? We should kill him this way. No, we should do this. Grayson gets an idea, though, right? You see, he's got like a little sparkle in his eye. And he's like, you know what? I think we'll just let him go. And Lori and Clay are like, what? They're so uh, <laughs> alarmed. But then, all right, I love this. The whole time, Khaled is here, right? Khaled's yeah. always been here. He's always yeah. in the background, just <laughs> arms folded. And you see, he steps out of his like shadowy corner. And he's like, the colonel has made an excellent decision. And Grayson's like, thank you, <laughs> because Khaled realizes what Graf immediately realizes, that if he goes out there, everyone else will kill him, right? The rest of the Legion is out there, like hundreds of people, 
and Davis cuts him loose. And so Graf's more, he's looking around, he's all terrified. And they're like, yeah, you're free to go, Graf. We can't afford to take you along. And he was like, we weren't even trying to get you. You just were what we got. Yeah. And many times we've talked about the tight-knit nature of the Great Death Legion and how they're like one big family. And right now, Graf is sitting there thinking, I'm the member of that family that betrayed them all. And now you're going to have me walk out? Like, you guys would kill me with a bullet, (laughs) maybe beating me up. Those guys are going to do unspeakable things to me. They're going to literally tear him apart. He says, you can't do this. They'll tear me apart. And Khaled's like, slowly. And he's like nodding. (laughs) It's very funny. And it's just that quick thinking Grayson that always when he needs to be, he's there. Grayson tells him, you know, there are a lot of people who liked Francine Roger and Sylvia Trevor a lot. They were good people. And they died because of you, Graf. And they totally managed to break him, right? Yeah. Cole completely lost. Yeah. They're about to push him out the door. This is what does it. And... He gives it up. He tells them, I'm more than just a captain in the Merrick Guard. I'm with Comstar. And everyone's like, what? Comstar? Comstar? (laughs) You know, they're like, huh? They uh, immediately cut to, yeah, what the hell does Comstar have to do with it, Clay asked. That bunch of superstitious cowheads. And then (laughs) Grayson's like, hold up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Because Grayson immediately puts it together. Yep. Yeah. You guys were making fun of his map time. It's funny. They laugh at him at first. They're like, what? A Comstar agent? Like, come on, you got to do better than that. But Graf's like, no, no, I'm serious. Right? He tells them he was approached by Precentor Rachan months ago. And Precentor Rachan is a high-ranking administrator within Comstar, a confidant of the Primus himself. And Graf tells them that it was Rachan's idea to disgrace you, to disgrace the Legion. Grayson asks him, why would Comstar want to do that? Comstar's neutral. He's like, that's their whole thing. Comstar's neutral. Everyone knows this. (laughs) I misspoke. (laughs) Graf tells them that, of course, Comstar is seeking the old Star League storehouse, which they still believe is somewhere nearby. He's like, guys, listen, you won't believe this, all right? There's an old Star League storehouse nearby some kind of weapons cache <laughs> and grayson they're all like oh yeah we heard of that and he's like what Grass, he's like surprised he's like wait you guys know about that and they're like oh yeah 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 and he's like oh uh huh it's so funny because it's like this big secret and they're like yeah we everyone knows everyone knows about the about the cash yeah. dude yeah. oh yeah the cash yeah you're on helm you know about the cash grayson presses him though he's like why do all this this whole thing, this seems like a lot to go, why did they need us? We get the Scooby-Doo moment. Yeah. Graf explains that Comstar needed the Grey Death Legion out of the way because the cash most likely resides within Grayson's landhold, which is huge. It's like a lot of land, actually. I think it's interesting. It points out that the city itself, the capital city, is its own like city-state. It's not within his holdings, but like everything around it is. And the search for that hidden cache would likely take years, even decades, right? They assume they'd have to do all this mining and drilling and all this stuff and trying to detect the thing. And that even once it was discovered, all that stuff, it would take a small fleet to move it all. 
and that would require the cooperation and the silence of the landholder. And it's funny, he even tells Grayson that they studied his file. They studied Grayson closely, and uh, unfortunately, they determined he wasn't a suitable candidate. Basically, he wasn't weak-minded enough to suit their purposes, is what he, he tells them. He wasn't greedy enough. Yeah. Um, fortunately. He just wasn't money-driven. But then they continue on and say, Grayson's not our guy, but Lord Garth absolutely is. Yeah. He met the criteria. And Laurie says, well, he is a lot fatter than Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> and then Graf's like, he's also gullible and greedy. And so he's perfect. They, they actually wanted a guy like him. And Helm was originally going to be given to him. He was kind of in the line of succession, but it ended up with Grayson. Grayson asks if the story about Sirius Five is real. He's like, is that, did that really happen? He tells them the story of how he ended up joining the Legion. He was approached, right? He was tasked by um, Rachan to join the Grey Death Legion because they knew that Janos Merrick had been discussing giving Helm to Grayson. They hadn't finalized the deal yet, but Rachan didn't want that to happen. So he wanted someone inside the Legion in case it did. Very smart. This is where Grayson remembers that Graf was on patrol that night. Remember? On Sirius 5. That last day, he was in the Assassin. And then Lori's like, yeah, you swapped with Vandergriff. Remember? They say that when they're like partying in the beginning. He swapped mm -hmm. shifts with Vandergriff. And then they remember the dead sentries. They're like, oh yeah, those guys got shot. They have like a red flag montage. Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh yeah, all that was yeah. weird. Yeah, they're like, the dead sentries, we just thought it was like Lao snipers. And then they're like, oh yeah, someone <laughs> stole the hovercrafts. And then if they took the hovercrafts, they would have to get past you. And then they're like, oh, exactly. They put it together. They're like, you really can't claim that you didn't kill those people. You're just as culpable as anyone. Grayson is disgusted. He yells at him. He tells Clay to get him out of his sight. I, he tells him to lock him in the store's tent. So Grayson orders him locked up. So they do end up taking him prisoner. They don't kill him here. They hold on to him. So they take him out. And Lori tells Grayson that it's getting late and they should get some rest. But Grayson, of course, shakes his head. He's like, no, no. And he pulls that small computer clip out of his pocket, that little memory card. And he tells her, he's like, nah, you guys all go ahead, right? I've got some studying to do. And he's like <laughs> going like sicko mode, just like nodding, yeah. looking at the little memory card with the maps on it. <laughs> he's oh, holding yeah. it with a Nintendo Power Glove. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm ready to go. He's getting very excited about these maps. Yeah. <laughs> Cue the montage scene. Yep. It's coming up. So this whole chapter was basically the interrogation of Graf. We learn, do we learn? We don't learn that much. We, I feel like, what did we learn here? Most of this was the Legion putting it together. Because yes. the yes. stuff, I feel like a lot of the stuff that Graf says were like, oh yeah. I feel like we learned that, oh, yeah, the cash is here. There's something to it. Before, the cash hasn't really been... It's been theorized. Right. But now we're learning, like, oh, well, 
we didn't exactly learn it, but we've got confirmation that this is all being done from the Comstar side because of that cash. We had it mentioned, but never really confirmed from the Comstar side. However, the reader already did know that Comstar yes. was behind it. It wasn't solidified exactly why they were doing all this. Now we know. We get an explanation as to why they're doing it that I don't think we completely knew. We do learn that the landhold was originally going to Lord Garth. That whole thing about yes. the landhold, the succession of the landholds, I was like, oh, interesting. So it was really Janos messed it up. When Janos was like, oh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to give it to this guy. It messed up their whole plan. That's when they planted Graf. He's like, get in there in case he gets the property, which he did. But for the most part, this was just getting the Grey Death Legion caught back up with everybody so they can start making moves and planning actions against Comstar's plan here. We do get to see a little behind the scenes. as We get the bit where Grayson's like, why? Why? And Graf's like, it's for the better of humanity, is the explanation. And Grayson hits him with, oh, you killed millions of people for the betterment of humanity. And yeah. I very much enjoyed the gaslit philosophy there, where Graf just gets to go, oh. <laughs> you know what's funny? I wanted to bring this up. I read somewhere. I don't remember if this was in this book, this text, and I didn't take note of it, or was it in, it might have been in Turning Points. It's mentioned somewhere, the previous Lord of Helmdown is no longer the Lord because he defected. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah. Oh, and that made me wonder why they defected. It wouldn't surprise me if it went even further back. Like, what if Comstar somehow orchestrated his defection? You know what I mean? I. It got me thinking. With all of this going on, it's definitely something that could be a possibility for it. It's a really fun thing to think about. But we'll have to find out what Grayson does with all this new information to him in the next chapter. Chapter 21. Lori found Grayson four hours later. She was asking around, and the guards told her that he had checked out a skimmer and had headed up to Durandell. And of course, she finds Grayson inside the ruined briefing room again. It's cool. He's got the hovercraft power supply. He's got the hood open. He's got the cables snaking around. He's got the power supply hooked up to the computer terminals, and he's studying the maps, of course. He loves the maps, right? He's like zooming in and out again, panning around, remember? Up to a kilometer, Lori, frantically <laughs> typing. He doesn't notice she's here at first. He's just going crazy. She's watching him for a second, and he's like looking at these maps. He's clicking on them, zooming around and whatnot. But he hears her approaching, and he like snaps his gaze over to her. He's all like wild-eyed and startled, yep. you know, huh, Lori, huh, what are you doing here? <laughs> you <know? laughs> it's the return of goblin mode Grayson staring at Lori. I love it. Yeah, we get another goblin scene. I'm like, I love these. <laughs> they're, a, they're a staple at this point. She's like, you know, I could ask you the same. He shows her the maps again. He's got the old map 
and the new map side by side. He's got two maps because he's showing her the changes in the bodies of water over time. He keeps pointing out, he's like, look, the sea has dried up, right? There is no, it's just salt flats now, but there's a river, the Vermilion River. This is great world building here. We get this whole section. It's very well detailed, very well considered. William H. Keith Jr. in top form. He's doing the trail one thing again. He's rolling. It's, it's cool. He gives like this very detailed geographical. He's talking about how the mountains were formed and the way the rivers are flowing. Grayson's showing her how the Vermilion River flows away from the sea. Okay. He's like, we have this river flows away from the sea because this sea is on a higher level than this sea. So it's flowing that way. And it snakes through the canyon between those mountain ranges, right? And at some point it slips underground in this valley. The river goes through a valley and at some point it disappears underground, probably into a cavern, right? The way water does. And he's showing her the new map, which is the one he took from the HQ, right? The little memory card back at the uh, mobile HQ. I do love... He's talking to her, right? And he's just going goblin mode. And he's like, listen, <laughs> I've been thinking about Comstar, okay? He's now realizing that they might have a more active level of participation in interstellar politics than most people realize. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> I mean. I could see that was Lori's reaction to it as well of like, yeah, yeah it seems to be so Grayson. He's going, he's putting it together. He's telling her, he's like, listen, I have this, this picture, right? Of Comstar as this sixth great house, unseen, invisible, working behind the scenes, Lori. He does tell her though, that he's been considering the possibility though, that Rachan might be operating outside of Comstar authority. He tells her, you know, but who knows? Maybe this guy's a rogue. I don't know. <laughs> I've been thinking about Comstar, Lori. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I've been dying to talk about Comstar. Yeah. <laughs> and Lori's like, you should be sleeping. <laughs> exactly. He's showing her the rivers, the seas. He's like, the river here, it goes into the cavern, the sea, the seas dried up, the mountain ranges. And he's like zooming in and out. We do get an answer to our question from like the very first chapter, the price of glory, which is, why do we get all of the geographical and planetary data about Sirius Five? And not about Helm. Well, here we have it because Keith didn't want to give up the game. He wanted yeah. to. He was saving it. Oh yeah, it, we get some with a vengeance in this chapter. Absolutely, it's really good. He clearly did the homework. A large part of this chapter is him painting this picture of the geological like landscape. And again, I would recommend anyone listening to go check out Turning Point's Helm because there's Absolutely. a map of Helm in it. And it's so nice to have the map. I was reading this section along with, I had the map open next to it and yes. it really helps illustrate that I have a good picture of what's going on now. Actually, probably the best one so far. I really know where everything is. It was cool. I like looking at the map. It really did help locate everything that they're talking about because Grayson is just rattling off location after location and you got to see how this river touches this lake which then goes towards this mountain 
it, it is a little bit of geographic insanity if you're just going through yeah. it without the visual reference. It gives you the experience of being Lori, right? So you're like, you're looking back yeah. at the book, back Grayson's at the map, fantically back at the explaining book. it, yeah. and you're like, wait, what did he say? Oh, like, yeah. oh okay. You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She's starting to get a little confused, but Grayson just snaps at her. He's like, listen, I have something to tell you. All right, Lori? I think I know where the Star League cache is. And Lori just like <laughs> looks at him, right? Because she, she thinks he's lost it. He's looking like unhinged. As she should. He's like, yep. I found it, Lori. His like, like sunken eyes, yeah, like stringy, yep. sweaty, blonde hair. Like, he's I tangled up it. in some of the wires from yeah. the skimmer. He like knocks like his water bottle over as he like yeah. gets yeah. up. She's thinking, <laughs> she's like, how could Grayson figure out in one night something that has eluded scholars for literally ages? <laughs> good question. It's a good question. And he's just like, you don't believe me? And she's just like, Grayson, you're exhausted, buddy, <laughs> like, patting him on the back. And he just starts, like, unhinged cackling. He just, like, <laughs> he's completely jokerified. He's just, like, cackling. And he's like, think I've punched out, do you? Well, look at this. And he, like, hits a key. He zooms and, in on a river. Yeah. And, like, he's like, Lori. Check it out. And then it's just yeah. a picture of a river. And Lori's like. To a kilometer yeah. of detail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This isn't helping the case, Grayson. Yeah. And she's looking and he's like, huh? Look. He asked her, though, do you spot the difference? And she's like, oh, the sea's dried up. And then she sees it. In the newer image, the river does not continue east of the mountains. And Grayson's like, exactly. But it's still flowing out of the mountains. It's not going. In basically half the river is missing, and Lori's like, "Oh, what happened?" She's like, "Maybe it's being fed by a spring underground." But Grayson points out on the old map, the river it clearly enters a cavern, right? It goes underground. You can see on the old map that it flows under this huge slab of rock, right? Because it's helm, there's rock everywhere. You see it snake through the valley and disappear under this huge rock. And then he points at the new map. And he's like, look at this. And Lori realizes that huge stone slab has been turned upright. It's been moved. If you look closely, it looks like it has been dug out and moved. Grayson tells her, you know, that slab probably weighs several million tons. It's too heavy. Lori's like, could it be earthquakes? And he's like, look at it. That huge, it's like a cliff face. It has yeah. been stood on end and is now like clearly been oriented vertically up against the side of the mountain. And he tells her, he's like, Lori, my love, I think that what we are looking at is a very large, very deliberately placed door. Mm -hmm. He hypothesizes that Major Keeler, which was the, he was the commander of that engineering battalion the one that was on helm at the time, Major Keeler and his people must have diverted the river upstream, probably, dammed it up, and then they must have used that natural cavern that had been formed from however many thousands of years of water flow to store the equipment. It was an underground river, so it was probably a huge cavern, right? So they dammed it up, okay? And then they used the caverns, and no one's been able to figure this out. 
because no one's bothered to compare both maps simultaneously like this. You have to see them both. If you just looked at this one, it just looks like a rock. Only when you realize that it's different, that this specific rock has been moved in like a suspicious way that you, you realize that there's something going on. I don't know. What do you think? It's pretty crazy. Maybe he's right. She's like, man. She's like, I, somebody pinch me. I think Grayson's right. Yep. She's yeah. starting to get convinced. This, this goblin mode Grayson is on to something. She is. She has, She's like, oh, wait a minute. Now, hold on now. Let's hear him out. She's like, so just yeah, hypothetically, how would we get in? I can just see you walking your marauder up to that cliff and kicking it in. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what we do. But Grayson's got a better plan. Yeah. He's like, what if yeah. I blow it up? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Lori's like, not much better, but I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That's plan B. If you can't yeah. kick it, then you need to blow it up. He tells her, you know, it's probably braced. Devilar can cook something up. Yeah, that was that important statement we learned in the Mech HQ chapter where Devilar's explained that he's a former mining engineer. So Grayson's like, if anybody knows how to blow up a stone slab, it's going to be Devilar. Lori brings up the point that it's not like once we get in that they'll be able to get all the stuff out, though, right? She's like, there's a bunch of stuff in there. Even if we do get in, say that we get in, say that it's there and we get in, how are we going to get it all out? Especially with us being actively hunted and all that. Grayson tells her, listen, Comstar wants that stuff. We know this. If we can get in, then we'll be in a position to bargain, right? He believes it's best to hurry up and take the cash so that they're negotiating from a position of power, basically. Exactly. The chapter ends with Grayson vowing revenge. He says, one way or another, Lori, Rachan is going to pay for Sirius Five. This chapter is a giant map discussion. It's a very long map discussion, but Keith does a good job of making Grayson's goblin revelation here feel pretty believable. Yeah. There was enough in it to be like, Grayson didn't just pull this out of his ass. And yeah. he's, he's been setting it up since early on in the book. Exactly. It was a very long payoff for it, but all in all, I think it was very important that it had so much detail to it, so it didn't come off like a boat plan. It was provable. I like how this is handled, how he thought about if the commander of this engineering battalion was going to hide all this stuff, what would he do? And he determined that they like used a natural cavern to hide it all. And then they closed up the side of the mountain and hid it behind this like slab of rock. I'm like, you know what? I thought that was cool. I did. I was like, that's a pretty cool explanation. I like that. He really thought about it. It's believable. It does make sense. And that's the thing. All the way through it, there's enough of it. And like I said, it it's believable. So they think they know where it is. So now they just got to put a plan together. And we'll have to find out what that plan is in the next chapter. Chapter 22. Grayson and Lori are back at the camp. Grayson still hasn't slept, isn't going to sleep, refuses to sleep. They're putting a plan together, all right? It's pretty simple. He's basically just like, all right, we're going to move south. 
We're going to find the hidden cash and we're going to seize it. All right, we're going to take it. We're going to get in there. We do get a bit. He's wondering if it's wrong. He's thinking about the moral implications of bargaining with their betrayers. They committed all these atrocities. He's like, should I even be bargaining with these people? You know, he doesn't want to give them what they want, but he's in a tough spot. And if it helps them negotiate, this is where Allard King walks up and he's like, Colonel, I got to talk to you. (laughs) He tells him that he may have some additional information. And Grayson's like, oh yeah, what do you got? You got some intel? And Allard King tells him, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but I'm an agent. And Grayson's like, agent? Agent? (laughs) What what kind of agent? Like insurance? Real estate? What do you mean agent? And Allard King tells him, no, a spy, sir. I'm a spy. And Grayson, again, just begins cackling. He just starts laughing. He can't handle it. He's broken. And... (laughs) King's like, what's so funny, sir? And he's completely unhinged. Grayson's just like, Graf was a spy for Merrick, but actually he was a spy for Comstar. We got spies in Helmdown everyone knows about, spies in the regiment no one knows about. Okay, okay, okay. so who are you spying for? And King says, do Kassid recall. Like Grayson, there's just a moment of silence. He just stares in trail one. You know? I hear the like the tune from like Kill Bill, the like yeah. like Exactly. <laughs> I love the idea of the scene of like Grayson's like joking around at this point. Like he's at his lost it phase, the no sleep, the playing all night with his maps. And then, like, it's just like, everybody's an agent. He's an agent. She's an agent. So what kind of agent are you? And then just like, I'm just Duke Recall's agent. And then he's just like, snap back, like, oh, no. And then he's like, back to normal, like the flashbacks. Everything's going on. He's just like, oh, oh, where am I? What day is it? He's like, he's taken aback. But King, he asks him, what? Duke Recall? Why is the Duke... If you're Recall's guy, why are you here? Why does Recall care? And Allard King tells him, don't be modest. He's noticed that you created a force from nothing and defeated overwhelming odds twice now. He tells Grayson, remember I told you the other day that I had a contact in town and I couldn't tell you who she was because I'm a spy and all that. But (laughs) the local agent for the Combine, remember every house has like their own spy in town. And the Combine has one too. And he tells him it's Deirdre Ravenna. She's the one, the Gresshaven district, the nice part of town, Mm -hmm. that building that he was at. She knows Recall. And Recall's seen the reports as well. He's heard the rumors. And he too believes that the cash is still here. Everyone who's read the reports is like, oh, it's still there. They're like, Corita was insane. I love how when King's presenting this to Grayson, he kind of does it in the way of like, oh, yeah, all Cretan Dukes treat this like some buried treasure story, like it's some D.P. Cooper's money type situation for all the Cretan Dukes and generals. Exactly. He thinks it's here. Everyone thinks it's here. That's why we're all here. Anyway, he sent me to Galatea a year ago, right? He told me to join up with the Legion and send him reports and whatnot. 
he does say, I didn't realize that you'd make me the senior tech. Yeah, that was just a good <laughs> bit of luck. And your own personal tech. Yeah, yeah. Really. I mean, Grayson elevated a spy to one of his like personal cabinet right away. It's like, oh man. Allard King just has to stare at Grayson this whole time. His like mouth's open with a ten thousand yard stare. Just like, oh, oh no. Yeah. I've done everything wrong. Allard King's just like, when I infiltrated your organization, I didn't realize that you would immediately promote me to like your personal assistant, <laughs> basically from the jump. My job was crazy easy here. Yeah, maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe spend some time vetting a guy, you know? <laughs> Ask me some questions, figure yeah. out who I am next time. Yeah, but he goes on. He tells Grayson about when the Duke heard that Grayson was getting helm fast. He is obviously extremely interested. How funny is that? He has a spy <laughs> in Grayson's court, and then Duke Recall learns, oh, Grayson's getting that landhold. You know, the one mm -hmm. with the treasure on it? And Recall was like, oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but Grayson asks him, why are you telling me all this now? And Allard King tells him, it's because I think I can help you. And this little section here ends with Allard King asking Grayson, to return to Helmdown with him so that they can talk to Duke Recall. I loved this whole chat. It was so <laughs> funny to read. But it is something like to Grace inside of the credit is something we mentioned earlier. Like out of everything he had gone through, there's always the slip up point for Grace in the first time he encounters something. Sure. And here, Allard King just walked him through like the basics of espionage. Like a crash course of like, hey, here's everything I had to do to become one of your most trusted officials in this. And Grayson's like, noted. He tends <laughs> not to make the same mistakes twice unless it involves trying to be sneaky. Very successful bit of espionage on Allard King's part. So Grayson's back at the headquarters tent. He's talking to Lori. He's telling her, I gotta go. And he won't tell her why. He can't tell her what he's going to do. We've had this conversation before. Here mm -hmm. we are again. She's like, why won't you, t where are you going? What are you doing? And he's like, I can't tell you. I got to go. Just me and my boy, Allard King. You just got to trust me. We're going to Helm Down. Me and Allard King, what can go wrong? Lori, it's fine. And it's just like, Lori's having flashbacks now of the last time they needed to go to Helm Down. And it's like, it went terrible then too, Grayson. What's going, what's happening? Yeah. In the middle of this conversation, Grayson's having a moment, though. We get a section. It's just him. I feel like Lori's yelling at him, and he's like kind mm -hmm. of zoned out. And <laughs> he's thinking about Duke Recall. And he's like, why am I going to meet Recall? Don't I hate Recall? And he takes a moment, <laughs> and he's like, you know, now that I think about it, back on Trail One, everything that went down, the death of my father, but... It does make a lot of sense. He just wanted to neutralize a threat while not turning the population. Now that Grayson's a commander himself, he's almost like, you know, it was actually a nice little bit of work. Come to think of it, I can't really hold it against him. It was a good plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We get this line, Grayson's thinking about Lori. He's thinking about how much he really did love Lori, no matter how poorly he expresses it to her regularly. At least he knows. Which is quite poorly. Yeah. At least he knows. He's not that good at it. And <laughs> he tells her, though, he's like, Lori, I can't tell you. You just got to trust me. All right? 
I got to go alone. I love you, but you're the exec around here. You got to get things rolling. When I'm not here, you got to be in charge. All right. You got to pack the camp up and start heading out when it's time. I got to go. I'll try to make it back before you leave. But if you don't, I'll just have to catch up on the way. I'm sorry, but I got to go. I got to do this. And chapter ends. They hold each other for a while. And Grayson tells her, I must go, but I'll see you tonight. I promise. Yeah, no, I think Laurie is completely over-rotating. Normally, I'm I'm Laurie's side here, but this one, it's like Grayson's made it adamant that he can't tell her, and it's for her own good, and she's just like, don't care about that. I would say I'd agree with you if it was Grayson's first time going to Helm Down with Allard King. (laughs) We had a very similar conversation last time. It's true. She doesn't think that... He can trust her. That's her issue, right? It's a trust thing. And I see where she's coming from. She doesn't put up too much of a fight, though. By the end, she's joking with him about taking his marauder. It's like, sure, you shouldn't take your marauder with you? Yeah. It is very sad, though, because there's a good chance that if he goes here, that she might not see him again. She knows that. He knows that. Mm -hmm. I could see it if Grayson had taken maybe a few more sentences to say, like, hey, Glory... The plan is I got to meet somebody connected to King that isn't necessarily going to be something the Legion's happy about. So I have to play this one close to my chest right now. And I feel like Lori would be more apt. She'd still protest, but Grayson kind of played it very close to his chest here, going with the whole same, like, Lori, you got to trust me routine. And Lori's just like, I just need some information, both as your partner and as your XO here. We need to know what's going on. Yeah, but he doesn't tell her. Nope. She does accept, and so this is it. Grayson and Allard King are leaving to go meet Duke Recall. And we'll have to find out how that meeting goes in the next chapter. Chapter 23 We open on Grayson in a room with Duke Recall. Yes. Recall is is. here. He's dressed in, he's not in the reds. He's not in the dress reds. He couldn't be, that's not what he's going for. That's a costume anyway. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before. (laughs) He's dressed in something, it's still very nice. Merchant's clothes, ruffled blouse, richly patterned trousers, high-topped boots, ornate and expensive. It's all very designer. Recall. Recall. Yes. He looks good. He looks great. Duke Recall tells Grayson that he's glad to see him again, even though he believes that Grayson probably doesn't believe that. And Grayson tells him that he is surprised to see him here. He's like, my Grace, you know, I didn't know you were here. That's uh, what an honor. He's, He's like, there's been so many surprises lately, though. What's going on? It's funny. They're chilling. He asks Duke Recall why he's here, though, and Recall tells him, I had to be here because things were happening too quickly for me to oversee from elsewhere. He wanted to get hands on. Exactly. He had to get in the mud. Yeah. He's like, I had to take care of this one myself. And we learn that Recall's jump ship, the Huntress, has been in system for five days now. It's not like he just got in. He's been here for a a little bit, in system at least. It takes a little bit to get down to the planet. But he came in 
like a regular merchant, unnoticed by the Merrick forces. They don't know that Duke Recall's here, right? He didn't come in like, I'm Duke Recall. Like, he just kind of slipped in, just looking like a merchant. He's just hanging out in the rich part of town with his spy, Deirdre Ravenna, because this is her house. She's here too. She says that, I was surprised to learn that my Duke has been parked next door for the last two months. (laughs) Oh, because... His jump ship just got in system on Helm, but he's been one jump away. He says that. He's like, I've been nearby for a while. I've been hanging out, kind of keeping an eye on things. And you're like, oh man, Recall's like been here the whole time, basically. He's been right next door <laughs> the whole time all this has been happening. He's been one jump away, just waiting to make his entrance. And I love how in this section... Keith has remained so consistent with Duke Recall. We had that conversation in Decision at Thunder Rift about Recall's ability to plan and execute on plans that he put together of everybody else working. And this was just like copy pasted from that section on the consistency of like, oh, Recall saw all of this playing out from a mile away and had everything ready to capitalize on this moment. And I just, I love how that all came together. Meanwhile, Grayson is sitting there daydreaming, saying, what is it spies are supposed to look like anyway? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's just sitting there, like, looking at King (laughs) and Deirdre. It's just like, I can't, I can't put together what the common fabric between spies are. They're not wearing like a badge or anything. It's almost, it's like that's a defining feature of spies. <laughs> Grayson's surprised to hear this. I mean, this is not the way dukes behave. Dukes are usually off doing ducal things. And he's like, you just been kind of just hanging out here, just kind of watching the comms, huh? Recall's been doing some goblin mode himself. He's been micromanaging. Grayson asks him, why the interest in me, your grace? Why do I deserve this special attention? <laughs> And Duke recalls just kind of like, you haven't figured it out by now? Exactly. <laughs> he tells him, he's like, when Alan reported to me that Helm was to be given to you for your service with House Merrick, I became extremely interested. And he's like, you know, I have reason to believe that a Star League arms cache is still here within your landhold. I love it. He says, if you were to become lord of this treasure, then perhaps I could win a chance at it. And Grayson's like, oh. You were planning a snap raid in the middle of all the commotion. You were going to wait until everyone was fighting and you were going to swoop in and take it. And he's like, precisely. You got it. And you're just like, yes, dude. I love it. Always bet on Duke. This rules. Recall tells him, though, that then he heard that Grayson had been declared an outlaw. And this is great. He outright says that, I do not believe the stories. He like furrows his brow. It says there's like thick black eyebrows come together real tight. Heck yeah. And he's talking to Grayson. He's like, I did not believe the report. A city already surrendered, destroyed. And he, you get, he reaches down and picks up the grape. And while he's saying this, he's like <laughs> holding this grape between his fingers. And as he says, destroyed as a callously as a man crushes a grape he crushes the grape with his fingers and the juice he has to wipe his fingers on the tablecloth and he like smashes this grape he goes bah (laughs) this guy's awesome yeah it's so great it's very cinematic right after he crushes it 
it's like then he realized he's kind of embarrassing himself. He like goes yeah. and wipes his hand off, and <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. This is just such a great Duke recall scene. He gets so dramatic, right, for a moment, and then he's like, "Sorry, we've gone too far." <laughs> that was an innocent grape. He also mentions that Aller told me it couldn't have been you because he was with you the whole time. And I don't want to see these city killers win. And you realize, oh, he's actually, he's like serious about this, though. Mm-hmm. He does not condone what has happened here. This isn't, he's not joking around. He's like, screw these guys. You know, let's get them. I love that he's just like, no way, not my Grayson. That's yeah, my favorite, yeah. it's like straight up my favorite yeah. part. He's just like, no. Exactly. Absolutely yeah. not. Not my Grayson. He would never. He would never. It fucking rules. He never believed it. Not once. Not even for a second. He got the news that, yeah, it was like, Great as Legion commits massacre, and he, and he was immediately like, he got set up. Yet. He needs my help. Yeah. So Grayson's like, wow. So what is it you want? What can I help you with? And Duke Recall tells him that he just wants a share of whatever he finds. And in exchange, Duke Recall will provide military assistance and transport. He's like, I got some dropship. You can load up. I can give you a ride. But he warns Grayson that they haven't much time because, again, Lord Garth's ships will be grounding at any moment. Lord Garth is on his way. He'll be here any second now. Grayson's looking around. He's like, yeah, it all makes sense. This sounds good. Duke Recall says... I don't know where your people are now, Colonel, but if they're heading towards the cache, it's already going to be a race, even now. Exactly. Grayson agrees. This all makes sense. Like, he does, of course, second-guess himself. He has a moment where he's like, can I trust him? Should I be trusting? Is this a good idea? I mean, Duke Recall's whole thing is scheming, so (laughs) he does have a moment. Smartly, he's like, is this a maybe? He thinks about it. Which is good. This is good yeah. for Grayson to do. He asked the Duke, he asked him how many mechs he brought with him. And Duke Recall tells him that he brought one company. And <laughs> it's very funny because Grayson's like, one company? It's like 12 mechs. You have six dropships. And Recall's got to be like, well, most of them are empty. And you realize, oh, he brought, most of his dropships are empty because he's expecting to load them full of like loot. You know, <laughs> he didn't. He brought extra space. He's expecting to leave with a little bit more than he brought. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I love that Grayson's like, because he told me so few, I can trust him. Yeah. He could have lied to me. <laughs> he could have lied. He could have told him that he had a whole regiment. He's like, oh, he's like, I can take care of it. I have a bunch of guys. But no, he's like, I actually, I just have a company. It's not that much. He does. Grayson respects. He gives it to him straight. Grayson does trust him, though, because he realizes recall. He's a schemer, right? He's an opportunist, but he's also a warrior, right? He's a man of honor. You know, it's a matter of honor. He's uh, <laughs> He plays it straight. I love the line here. The black emotions in the man's face and voice had been genuine. Of that, Grayson was certain. Recall was a warrior, not an actor. Yeah. He was bluff and blunt when he spoke and seemed to prefer the silence on other points rather than to lie. Exactly. He's a straight shooter. A schemer, but a straight shooter. This little section here, the meeting with Duke Recall, ends with Grayson vowing that 
Your grace, if I do nothing else, I intend to make certain that the destroyers of Tiantan don't benefit from this. They're serious about it. They want these guys to eat it. It's a matter of honor. It's almost like the Koreans know a thing or two about war crimes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Gestures, like, to the surroundings. There's a little section break, and we cut to Grayson and Allard King back in the skimmer, racing across the plains through the night. But Allard King is driving, Grayson's sitting there, they're riding in the skimmer. He's thinking about the meeting. It's funny, we skip forward, and then Grayson is thinking back to after his initial conversation with Duke Recall, they hammered out some of the details, right? They'd spent a little bit trying to figure out the plan, and we learn the Legion's dropships are still parked in that valley where the Merrick forces took them originally. They didn't move them. They're still there. Which makes sense to some degree. Right. The plan is... Duke recalls forces, they're going to try to recapture the Legion's dropships and free up all that equipment and personnel. Recall even tells them that he can give them a jump out on the Huntress. He has the extra docking collars. He can take on two more dropships, so he can give them a ride out of there as well. So now there's an exfil plan. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, okay, this, this sounds all right. Take this the one dropships meeting- back. has given us so much more than we got anything else so far. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. They should take the dropships back. They're riding through the night. Grayson's doing Grayson stuff. He's all in his head. He's thinking about all the ways it can go wrong. We get the whole section of him. You know how Grayson does. He's pretty good at knowing how things can go wrong, though. It's his strength as well as his weakness. He does all this worrying, but it's because he considers all of the worst case scenarios. We know that Duke Recall has no mechs on planet yet. They're still coming down, but he's got 90 infantry and a lance of galleon tanks. Okay. We like galleons. Okay. (laughs) They're going to slip out of the spaceport because they're on their dropships currently, all of Recall's guys and the galleons. They're going to slip out of the spaceport in the cover of night so they can get lost in the... Hustle and bustle. He's like, yeah, we're going to move some tanks and my guys. I got some infantry. They're trying to figure out a plan. By the time they had sketched out a rough outline, however, it was already three hours past sundown and they had to go because he was supposed to meet back with Lori. Be back as soon as I can. Just stay as long as you can, but you got to leave. They've already left at this point. And we see Grayson and Allard King. They're in the hovercraft. They're speeding away from Helmdown. And the last shot in the background, you see Lord Garth's dropships touching down at the spaceport as they drive away from Helmdown. It's just got a little harder. Yeah, Lord Garth is here. But this was a phenomenal chapter. Absolutely. I adored it. I, I cherish every like sentence with Duke Recall and... And Grayson sitting down and, and negotiating. Absolutely. I mean, to me, we've talked so much about the like improvement Keith has done. This is the thing that like took it to a different level in this book. Was we had recall as an established villain all the way out through the series. But never was it that he really crossed the line to be like an irredeemable villain like we had with Nagomu. Right. Yeah. So when he brought him back as a neutral 
party, it didn't feel cheap. It hit it didn't different. feel bad at all. It was just like, oh, Grayson, before our military agendas were conflicting in one another, but yeah. now they're in alignment. They're in alignment. Yeah. And I've never done anything to you directly that you wouldn't be able to believe what I'm saying to you right now. We haven't agreed. We haven't been friends. But I hope that the mutual respect that we have shown each other can allow us to do this amicably. This is the thing I love most about this is Duke Recall has Grayson by the throat here. He yep. has he doesn't have to help Grayson with the exception of Duke Recall doesn't know exactly where the cash is, right? However, other than that, which is an important detail, mind you, he could really press Grayson hard here. Yeah. And he doesn't. In fact, he makes every effort to show like mutual trust. And he's basically like, I'm here to get you out, lad. And yep. yeah, uh, let's make some dough doing it. And the thing is, is that I think everything we've already kind of talked about this in like for Dandy, right? Where this isn't coming out of left field. This makes complete sense that Duke Recall likes 100%. We know this. Yeah. Yeah. At least respects him. It was subtext. But yeah. nonetheless, I think the, the proof's in the pudding here. And <laughs> it's beautiful. Absolutely. And I also like the other thing that I think Keith does, the subtler side of this that Keith pulls off is that through this book, he quelled Grayson's need for revenge and bloodthirsty side to strike back to being that was all a catalyst to me forming the Grey Death Legion. But now that they're here, I can't risk my family to avenge my family. And I, I like that he kind of put that transition through here to have this sit down meeting with recall and make it believable because without that you wouldn't feel it but because duke recall has been played such a way and grayson had been played such a way them sitting down and working together in this moment does not feel bad it doesn't feel cheap keith nailed it and i can't say that high enough it feels cool as heck yeah, yeah. so the other thing is like really recall had almost nothing to do with his parents death right I, I, I yeah. say almost. He gave the order, right? Like, Sing. Sing, you animal. Is the one who, who carried out all of that, like, operational side stuff. Yeah. Sing was the one responsible for all that ground op stuff, killing his family. At the end of the day, Duke Recall was just like, I need you to go here, do this, because mm -hmm. I need to quell this rebellion. And, and Grayson works that all out on his head here and... Obviously, Keith put it on the pages, and he did a great job. Like you yep. said, believable. And Grayson, previous to that, after he had spoke with Outer King and learned about Duke Recall being on planet, had that time to think and talk to himself and work out that, like, my dad was a military target. Yeah. Like, it wasn't unfair of Duke it Recall to kill my dad. That scheme saved a lot of people's lives, even though yeah. it ruined mine. And... I, it's just a great little bit of maturity to show with Grayson there, like I said, to make this meeting work. And don't get me wrong, I think that if this had happened right after Trell won, no dice, right? Yeah. Like, Grayson hadn't grown enough yet. 
as no. a person. Not even really on Verthandi yet. It, it took to the end of Verthandi for him to be like, listen, I just got to get out of here. Yeah. And then all through Price of Glory to say, I have people I've got to care for. I'm not really even that important anymore. What I want doesn't matter as much as what the Grey Death Legion wants and what it needs. So what a way to bring all of that home here in that chapter. Plus, the villain from a previous story coming back <laughs> to ally with the hero. This is like one of my favorite tropes. I love yep. this. Every, this is like one of my favorite like anime tropes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yes, how cool is this, dude? Now, Brent, you could write a shrapnel redemption arc <laughs> for recall here. This one would be good. I don't need to. It's right here on the page. I know of it the is. Price it is a hundred percent right there. And it is. It is this. funny when I read that. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. Like you know, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. This scene was awesome. Duke Recall coming back. They're working together. The Red Hunter, dude. He's here. He brought his boys with him. They're going to heist. He's the coolest. Who doesn't love a good heist? <laughs> so, oh, no. Who uh. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Uh. However, Grayson is very late. He spent a long time hanging out. I like you get the scene where it's like they have the introduction dialogue, the conversation together. And then you cut to Grayson leaving, but then Grayson thinks back. It's like, oh, also, we hung out for several hours afterwards, though. And I'm like, oh, they did. They, like, hung out for a while. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to get out of here. I bet they had all kinds of fun stories and stuff. Some catching up to do. I like to think that they compared notes on the Verthandi campaign. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they were yeah. like, was, what was Nagomo doing here? And he's like, oh, this, this. Why did you stop fighting when I showed up in my Shadowhawk? I showed you my Shadowhawk. Please respond. (laughs) Oh, young Carlisle. I was just tired. I wanted to go home. Yeah, this chapter was awesome. They met Duke Recall. They got a plan together. They're headed back. They're very late. But I don't know. This seems to be going good. As good as it can. I hope they can get back. Rendezvous with the team. Let's get it together. Yep, and with the last bit being that Lord Garth's fleet were landing, the race to the cache has begun. We're going to see how that race goes in the next chapter. Chapter 24. We open with Lori back at the camp, waiting for Grayson. She's very upset. She knows Grayson won't be back in time. And she knows that there are a lot of things that could go wrong. She's strong, though. She tries her best not to panic when she gives the orders to head out. She's thinking about Allard King. He just pulled these papers out. She saw that. He's like, oh, I do have some papers, actually. And he didn't say where he got them. She's suspicious. Reasonably. As she should be. Yeah, she's thinking about King, and she's like, that guy's sketchy. And then he goes, he runs off with Grayson again. Him and Grayson, like, get in the whip and drive off. She's like, something's going on with those two. What's going on? It's suspicious. The Harry Potter meme. Every time something goes down in town, it's always... It's you two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The sun is setting. I like this. The mechs are using their spotlights to help the crew finish loading. It says that. I like this scene. All the mechs are hunched down. They got all their lights on so they can finish loading the trucks up and stuff. 
Lori's waiting. She waits for as long as she can, but she promised that she would go when it was time to go. They have a schedule to keep. She's ashamed for being so weak. She doesn't think she'll ever see him again, but it's time. There's a little alarm goes off in the camp, letting everyone know it's the last call, and she gives the final order to begin the march. We see the convoy moving through the night. It says here there are 612 total survivors between all the techs, trainees, infantry, service personnel, dependents, about 600 people. And they just have this long line of hovercraft and cargo transports, whatever they could salvage. They're moving south across the landscape. The eight battle mechs they have now are all out. Lori's in the rear, all right? McCall and the riflemen, he's way out in the front, right? And then the remaining six, they're deployed three to each side along the column. I love this. Just this line of these vehicles crawling through the night, being escorted by these eight battle mechs. McCall gets a sensory. He's like, oh, I got something. Not a mech, it's Uh a human. It's like someone's on foot. And Lori's like, oh no, it's a scout, right? They probably set up an ambush. Immediately she's like, they're going to jump out of the bushes. They're going to shoot us with rockets. We're all dead. It's over. And then Davis calls back in like, Lieutenant. She's like, what is it? Two more survivors. And you're like, oh, they're not hostile. It turns out it's just two more survivors from Durandell. That's nice. We found two more people. And then McCall tells her, and Lori, let's bring Delmar on the channel. We should tell him his lassie and Baron are safe and sound. And you're like, oh, dude, this is Delmar Clay's wife and child. It's so funny. They're, they find them while they're traveling. Yeah, they were wandering through the wilderness. Lori heard Delmar's whoop of joy when McCall told him that Terry and his son were safe. Her own face was wet under the mask of her neurohelmet when moments later the convoy began moving again. You can't help but smile. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. So I happy forgot. for Clay. Yeah. I will say, reading it this time, I realized I was like, oh, remember Colonel Langsdorf? He crashes through a building and there's like, a naked blonde woman and her baby. And he, oh. like, goes to shoot. And then he doesn't. Oh. This time reading through it, I was like, wait, I bet that was Terry. Yeah. I didn't put those two together. So that's an amazing observation. Because it makes the most sense. No, I'm not sure. I like that. But it also yeah. makes sense why she's so far out here they've been traveling for a while but also keith loves to throw those little things to tie stuff in together absolutely so it would make perfect sense that the infant we know about in the great death legion (laughs) and his mother are clay's significant other and baby which is just a neat little bow on that of like how are they out here how are they alive and it was because langsdorf didn't shoot that's incredible that's pretty good I forgot about that. That's I yeah, I love that. I believe that. That's my head canon. It was anyway. Terry. If it's not yeah. proved I don't remember if it's proved otherwise later or if we get like yeah. more details, but I love it. We cut back to Allard King and Grayson. Grayson had fallen asleep on the ride. This little bit opens with Allard King waking him up. He's like, Colonel, wake up. And Grayson's like, huh? And he wakes up, he's <laughs> in the passenger seat and he's looking around. He stopped the hovercraft. He's like, what's going on? And Allard King tells him, this is the spot. We did the math. This is where our line should have intersected, right? Because he knew they were traveling along at a certain rate and that he was going to meet up with them here. 
Grayson's looking around like, is this right? He grabs a flashlight, I think, and he like gets out. He's looking around the grass. He's looking to see if he can find any footprints from the mechs or anything like that. Which is reasonable. This is a tough spot, yeah. right? Because it's like, did they pass us or are they lagging behind? Right? Yeah. It's hard to say. And so Grayson makes the right call. He's like, well, battle mechs, they disperse a lot of dirt when they compact it by uh, stepping. Uh, let's see if there's any footprints or tracks. Even yeah. the hovercraft would probably give some visible signs. And he then takes a moment and when he doesn't see anything, kind of clicks it together that it's like, well, they are traveling with a bunch of people. And that is inevitably going to end up with delays. Yeah. If anything, they wouldn't be ahead of schedule because Lori would have never left early. She said yep. she wouldn't. Right. And so if anything, they're going to be behind schedule. I mean, obviously all of this is common sense, but we see like Grayson's a bit of a tracker. Yeah. He at least has enough of an investigative mind as we've seen previously to kind of like, okay, they should be here. They're not yet. They're probably behind. It, it all felt pretty reasonable for me. Yeah. It is funny because Grayson, he's like, no, I'm going to trust Lori. She would have never left early. And so because we have a choice, we could either try to catch up with them or we could wait here and assume that they haven't reached yet. But I'm going to have faith. And so we might have to be here for a while. And then Allard's like, oh, there, Colonel, I see them. They're coming. <laughs> like, and, they just, and then he see, you see the riflemen in the, in the distance, like, <laughs> break the horizon. And you're like, oh, there they are. Oi, Lori, we got another one of our sensors. <laughs> and they see the riflemen, and it says, in another 10 minutes, Lori was sobbing in his arms, with neither of them caring that they were hemmed in by hundreds of others of the Legion. And you're like, oh, they reunite. That's nice. That's it. But not yet, because <laughs> there's one more section. We get a scene of Graf in the back of the hovercraft. Because remember, he was taken prisoner. They took him with them. They've got him like mm -hmm. handcuffed in the back of one of the hovercrafts. He has a driver and a guard with him. And it is funny. We see from the sentry's perspective, the sentry's like, why do we even got this guy? If it were me, I would have shot him already. <laughs> and it's funny because Grayson showed up and there was a bunch of commotion. Just like it said, everyone's standing around and it's like, Grayson's back. Yeah. And like him and Lori are holding each other. The pilot ran off to check on the commotion. He's like, hold on, I'm going to see what's going on. And he left Graf alone with the guard. And... Graf's so slick, he does the old, like, looks past his shoulders, and he's like, oh, looks like he has big news. And for that split second, the sentry kind of, like, looks over for a second, and immediately Graf gets him by the neck with the handcuffs, you know, and he's like, he's got his handcuffs around his neck, and he hangs him off the side of the hovercraft, right? He, like, strangles the guy with his handcuffs. It's brutal, and he, like, throws the body out, and Graf jumps in the driver's seat, and like does this sick donut, like, Whoo! it says he does like a spin and then blasts off. People do. They're like, hey, that guy, he's like getting shot at. But he manages to speed off into the night with the hovercraft. And so this section ends with Graf getting away in the hovercraft. It is funny. He's thinking about, he's like, what am I going to go back to Rachan though? Can't tell him that I ratted out. The whole game, yeah, he'll kill me too. But <laughs> mm -hmm. can't go back to Helmport, right? Because Garth and Rachan are going to be there. And then he thinks to himself, there's another place he could go. And the warning 
he would bring might put Rachan in a more forgiving mood. And as soon as he was well clear of the convoy, he swung the hovercraft's nose to the north. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it'll pay off. There we go. Now we have our early 2000s collection. Yeah. <laughs> complete. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Graph this away. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. Yeah, we get a little worm tongue business here. More graph. And you're like, ah, I keep, you keep ah. thinking you're going to see the end of them. Yeah. Not but graph. Nope. I can't believe Not it. Not graph. He gets away again. <laughs> and where does he go? It doesn't say. He's just like, I know where I can go. Nope, just says up north. This goes to show that when you are transferring EPWs, one, you should never use just one guard, and two, you should always pay attention. Cuff him in the back. That too. <laughs> they should have killed him. <laughs> Damn, Caden. No, I mean, it makes sense they kept him alive. He is like the one thing that they could get to testify yeah. to what everything's going on. But I would enjoy Graf being dead. No, all in all, this part, because this wraps up part two of A yeah. Price of Glory, this was yeah. a phenomenal part. The first yeah. part was such a dour mood, which it needed to be. Yeah. And yeah. it set up everything. And this part picks up. It's like, oh, here's the Grayson plan. Grayson might be down, but he's never out. And this whole part kind of brings it all together. And then throwing Duke Recall in the end. It's phenomenal. I loved it. I feel like Keith has really gotten to a point where he's managing kind of the emotional wavelength of the story as well as like mm -hmm. the action, the the highs and the lows. And he's got such a it all flows so very well. Yeah. Where we hit a high point on one thing, we hit a low point on another. And he's keeping the tension up the whole way through. Absolutely. And I love how he handles Grayson consistently with those things where it's like wherever Grayson's in this kind of circumstance he never has time to sleep or do right. anything it's just all full gas the next thing and it keeps him in that scrappy Grayson mindset that we love you give that man a good night's sleep he goes to helm down and talks to the guard first thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you gotta That's keep this true. man tired <laughs> what's that oh man that's so funny Huh. See, or or it might have been because of Lori's treatments. The treatments. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Could be those treatments. But no, I, I guess the other thing I really like about this part is it really sets part three up to go any direction. It could go up. It could oh, go yeah. down. I'm excited. I am too. There's a lot of latitude, right? Like, Yeah. Things can go south. They can go well in a lot of ways. And it's it's all mm -hmm. very interesting. But who knows? I mean, we do, because we've read it already. But <laughs> well, I still have to find out. But you still have to find out. That's right. But I, I will say, out of all the parts that we've done, this is the one I'm most excited for to get started in next week. Like, I had a hard time putting it down when I finished reading these chapters. I'm going to have to say something that I didn't think I was... So, I... And, and don't get me wrong, I still absolutely love Mercenary Star. Mm -hmm. But... Going through these books in the manner that we have, kind of like with a fine-tooth comb in the way that we have, I actually think I'm I'm going to change my stance. And the listeners have all heard me just gush over Mercenary Star, but I actually think this is the better book. Like I said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I think I've changed <laughs> my mind. I still love that one for what it is. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. But this one, definitely, I, I see what you're saying. This is like Keith firing on all cylinders. 
he's been working up towards to get here. This might even be my new recommendation to people when they ask, like, where should I start in the books? I realize now going through this in this way that there's multiple times where Keith intentionally fills in what's previously happened to provide context. And I think this one has everything and it's a good starting point. And I mean, let's not get too wrapped up. We'll, we'll hit it a little harder. That conversation. Yeah. When we do our final conversation on it. I think that Brent just said that price of glory invalidates mercenary star advice. (laughs) Everyone tell us. I hope that's not what you guys heard. No, but in the respects of what you're saying, if we were comparing all three novels as standalone novels, yes, Price of Glory so far has been the one that has been the strongest standalone. If you're reading one and one only, yeah, Price of Glory gives you everything that you've really covered. You wouldn't get a lot of the nuanced stuff because, I mean, covering it, as you said, the way we do, which is slow and methodically through it, you are picking up on so many of these things that Keith threw out there and is tying up. You wouldn't get the cool recall moment from this episode right, where you right. sit down and you're like, he's the best now. Uh, you wouldn't have a lot of that insight. But a lot of the Grey Death Legion and the characters within it, you do get the feel for. You get uh, all the past history is tightly knit into the narrative of A Price of Glory. Yes. Yes. So I think that's the part that really kind of makes it move it forward. And he, he does a lot of showing, not telling. Yeah. You really do feel th- all throughout this book that the Grey Death Legion is indeed what they've been saying all along, which is this tight-knit like family. Yeah. And Keith keeps you rooting for him. Yeah. Like, there's never been one point where I was like, maybe the Grey Death Legion is wrong in this. You're just like, no. Nah, you know, They haven't got had the, a chance to be. They got a bad <laughs> hand dealt to him. Yeah. And now they have been scrambling every second to get a little better field position here. And they have done so good at that. Keith makes it a very good underdog story here. And every time we get that new stuff, it is part of the reason that recall segment pops so much and why I loved it so much is it's like, oh, the underdogs got something to work with now, even if it is Duke Recall coming back in. But by the end of it, you love Duke Recall. And this one feels great. There is no over-the-top villainry that we got from Nagomu. We haven't cut back to anyone in their office 87 times. So all of this is just (laughs) being sold so well. Yeah. And we'll have to find out if that momentum keeps up when we start part three next week. The Price of Glory. This was another episode of Of Mechs and Men. I am Kanan Hill. I was joined, as usual, by my two friends, Brent and Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, would like to thank William H. Keith Jr., the author of this book, The Price of Glory, and, of course, all the other artists and writers who work so hard to keep Battletech alive. We would like to thank Catalyst Game Labs for being such generous stewards of the property. And, of course, again, we would like to thank Trend Sparks for doing the intro for us. That was so fun. Remember, Tren is the narrator of the audiobooks. Listen to the audiobooks, please. They're great. Thank you, Tren. It was a blast. Thanks again. We have an email, advice at heat.management. Please, if you have any questions, complaints, suggestions, 
corrections, trivia questions. Yes, please. Advice at heat.management. We're on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You can reach us there too. We are at of mechs and men, one word. And we hope to see you again next week when we continue our discussion of The Price of Glory by William H. Keith Jr. Thank you. Remember to always handcuff your EPWs behind the back and not in front. Till next time. Say la.